Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, everybody. This is Curve America, Episode 6. My name is Chris Ross, and with me are my co-hosts, Marco Charla and Tad Burns. Marco and Tad are the founding members of Roma Club Washington, D.C., Roma's official supporters club in the D.C. metro area. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Chris. Hi, Marco. What's up, guys? No chows for me today? <laughs> uh, before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge the tragedy of the earthquake that struck central Italy. Our thoughts and prayers are with those dealing with the loss of life and devastation to the area. If anyone is looking to see how they can help, please donate to italianamericanrelief.org or you can donate through Roma Club Philadelphia at their PayPal, Roma Club Philadelphia. Please be generous. Please be kind. Our love to Italy. So another exciting week in the Serie A with the league seeing another 32 goals and only two draws. How are you guys feeling this week about Italian soccer? Italian soccer's on fire, man. I'm pumped. I mean, come on. It's Every game is... Super interesting, unless Empoli's playing in that game. Um, <laughs> goals all over the place. From kind of unlikely sources, I mean, I will say that we've kind of been calling it in a little bit, like Torino. We knew they were going to be dangerous, and they keep scoring a lot of goals. Yeah, it's really fun seeing a lot of the star power in the Italian league, or at least some of it anyways, um, coming from young Italian players. Um, you know, we got some call-ups this week to the Italian national team um, that are some you know, some new faces. And I think, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of pride coming back to the Serie A. There's a lot of pride coming back to the national team with their recent Euros showing. Um, I think we're definitely seeing an uptick in Italian players and Italian born players. And I think the league overall is going better. I mean, it's, it's been really exciting so far, but it's been, been very good. Definitely. Summer's over, but Serie A is back. And that's, that's gotta be enjoyable. Summer's over as well. And I, we need to, get going fast guys because my fantasy football draft starts at <laughs> starts at nine and, and it's now eight fifty five. nfl starts as well it's only it's only my boston league i'm scrolling through, i got i have the number one pick i'm scrolling through in here to see if i can find Iguain, but apparently uh <laughs> it's too expensive yeah, it's too expensive in the it's, nfl yes if, if if i think if it was an auction draft he would even go for you know tens of millions of dollars in the draft so i got my eye on you Iguain. if, if you're not around maybe teddy bridgewater will, will still be out there <laughs> yeah. So, all right, back to Serie A. This week's league highlights and analysis includes another Juventus victory, Napoli bouncing back at the expense of Milan, Roma's nightmare week continues, and Inter now needs to buy a win to stay competitive in the league. Torino appears to be for real, and all the fun transfer news that may or may not be true. So up first, we're going to start with the Juventus game. All right, starting with the other team from Rome versus Juventus. Juventus won... And the other team from Rome, zero. Juve's Sami Kadira strikes again for the old lady as Serie A must wait another two weeks for someone to disrupt Juve dominance. We go to Stadio Olimpico and we start with the story with the lineups. In the starting 11, Juve's two biggest summer transfers, Pjanic and Iguain, still not starting. More evidence that the real games haven't started yet for Juve, which would be Champions League. So question for the group, how's Pjanic feeling? He has yet to play a minute for Juve. What's the story there? 
Well, the story is that he apparently has a knock and is not totally fit. And, you know, there's been some grumblings that, you know, how is he, how is he going to handle that? not getting in is is he really injured or something like that um but he recently did an article started an inter- interview where um he was saying that he's really happy to be at Juventus um that he thought Roma was going to have to sell him anyway so he always wanted to go to Juve he acknowledged that he had a knock and he actually kind of somewhat called out Rome uh Roma by alluding to they're not as strong a side or as dominant or as big a club as Juventus by saying that Roma would basically have to play him through injury, and he's happy. He plays for a, a team that's as big and diverse as Juventus. That he can, you know, he can rest and you know go play in the in the in the international break for his you know his home Bosnian side. So apparently, Pjanic is happy with it. Um, we'll see how long he stays out of lineup. How long a knock keeps him out, and that would normally keep him on the Roma side. Well, they've played two good teams already uh, in Fiorentina and Lazio. I'm surprised that he hasn't been out since he was the t- leading assist man last year. So. There's probably something wrong with him, and uh, when he comes in, I'm sure he's going to gel just fine. And be honest, be, you know, to be honest, it's true they don't have to play him right now. Um, they dropped two games at the beginning of the last year, and it still worked out just fine for them. Yeah. So. Yep. So to the game itself, the first real opportunity in the match goes to Juve, of course. Dybala's header paired away by the Eagles goalkeeper Marchetti. The play started midfield by Asamoah chipping the ball to the corner and the ball catching a deflection on the cross, which landed near Dybala. Marchetti pushes it to the left and out of play. Another great effort from Juve's Asamoah. The man from Ghana having a great start to the season, and he's in, in one particular play, he slids just above the penalty mark at like the 16-yard line and uh, sort of chips the ball, and it gets knocked to the bottom of the crossbar. A really good chance. Fast forward to the 65th minute. And the fat man cometh. Oh, no. Iguain waddles onto the field for Mandzukic, and his presence alone distracts the home team enough for Sammy Kadira to strike. I think it was all those 100-euro notes flying out of his pocket. (laughs) You know, Pogba was supposed to be the box-to-box midfielder, but Kadira's proving to be that he he can fill those shoes. It's two games in a row where he scores goals, and again, he's, he's doing the defensive work, too. Yep. The German national runs down a chip uh, ball from Dybala on the right side of the box. And from about, about eight yards out, he subtly sent it to the far left corner ever so gently. Just a really beautifully simple goal. And that was really the match. Um, uh, Juve wins uh, on, on that goal. Uh, but the story continues to be Il Chiatone, the chubby one. That's the nickname given by Higuain by Napoli president De Laurentiis last year. The media keeps claiming Iguaini is still not fit for a full 90 minutes. And that may be so, but, but my take on the high lo- headline is it, it, it may be time for a new one. Iguain was not exactly a slim fit Armani model last season for Napoli. He, he's a husky guy. It's a funny story regardless. And, and so my question for the group would be, any thoughts on a potential sponsorship deal for Il, Il Chiatone? The, one, the ones I started with are, they've got to be Nutella, all the gelato of Italy, and here in America, the new fast food option by Devour, the food you want to fork. <laughs> he, 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 I think he'd like to fork any food he can get his hands on. Yeah. Uh, if you're picking him in your draft, I think he's offensive lineman. Yeah. I mean, no, I think he's like an Eddie Lacy, somebody like that, but uh, not, not to break down the, the, the comparisons between the two leagues. Um, you know, it's it's this story that's they're trying to trying to draw out. I guess that you know he's out of shape, and I think some people f- saw that when he got to Napoli this year that he might have been a little out of shape, and what a slap in the face it was. 
it's all overplayed, discussing the weight of the guy who's you know scoring goals on the reg. I mean, it, 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 it's time to move on. I, I agree. He's what he's thirty six goals last year, and he wasn't looking much different last year. I, I think it's just time for a new headline. Yeah, I'm not a personal trainer. I really can't tell the difference. It's not <laughs> like he's you know he's not rolling out there with like a third chin or something. <laughs> as far as the stats go for the game, other team from Rome actually wins the possession battle, fifty three percent to forty seven. Tad's going to explain a little bit why on that. Yeah, I mean, Juventus, their formation um, that they've been running, this one they've been made famous since they've been dominant in Italy, the, the 3-5-2, um, it does allow for the other team to get in there and possess the ball a little bit. And you can also, I mean, looking at this game, Juventus only wins 1-0, and this is a game where they beat another quality Italian team, that being the other one from Rome, um, and then beating Fiorentina last week. And they do so, again, we discuss it without Pjanic, and they did it without Bonucci, who was scratched for you know, personal reasons, whatever. And they do it without Marchisio, so they're missing their three best passers. So other teams in Italy or other teams playing against them are going to be able to possess the ball and keep it away from them at times. And uh, Nzanyi really kind of exploited this, uh, this formation. I was talking about 3-5-2. You know, he pushed his wingers up. He kind of neutralizes the other team's wingers. It forces Juventus to play a little bit more defensive and keep the ball in the midfield. Uh, Lamina kind of going side to side a lot. And uh, if you watch the game, a lot of it, you see like Chiro Mobile up front, and he's being marked because of this formation by all three of the Juventus defenders. I mean, there's a, there's one picture where literally all three are within 15 yards of them. Um, so I'm not surprised that even though Juventus pulls it out, this formation, I think other teams in Italy are starting to figure it out. And we got to remember that Inzaghi, even though he's a great player, he's coached only nine more games in the Serie A than I have. You know, he's a, <laughs> he's a new guy to the league. So, Yeah, but I think if you look at the personnel that Juve had uh, before this podcast started, we were looking at the starting lineup and the, the bench of Juve. I mean, realistically, to play 3-5-2, you have to have solid, big, strong center backs that can play the ball at their feet. Then you have to have a midfield that is willing to work up and down. It's, you kind of crowd the midfield with, with three players in there. Then you have to have wingers that move up and down. Then you have to have a counterattack element and speed and somebody that can play post-up man. Well, Juve has every single piece of that puzzle. It's the second game of the season. They've beat Two very good teams. Um, not at full strength. Not at full strength. Uh, we'll see what happens because, it, you know, formations only work if you have the personnel. I, I think they still have the personnel for well, that Well, even formation. if they switch to a 4-3-3, they still have Iguain, who's super comfortable in that role. And they got great wingers that can do it. I do I, – I agree that – Maybe because they've been playing it for so long that other teams are trying new things, and if it's executed really well, you can have a 1-0 loss to a team when it's missing the three best passers. Yep. So Juventus, I think they're still going to show a lot of uh, success with this formation that's won them five Scudetti in a row. Yeah, I don't see them changing side time soon, and if they need to. <laughs> I just want to say one thing about uh, Dybala and Kedira, because I was watching these two players uh, closely this game. All the hypes on Iguain, but let's not forget Dybala last season was up in the top goal scorers. He's very young. He got injured towards the end of the season when he was even picking up speed. That guy has a golden left foot that every time he seems to touch the ball, something happens. He had a 
like crazy back pass or back heel pass in the box uh, to almost assist Kedira. And speaking of Kedira, the guy is on every header, every single ball. He's defending. He's box to box. He's scored in two games. Good finishes. I mean, this guy is just an all-encompassing midfielder that any team in the world would love to have. Again, Juve just, and then Dani Alves. I mean, you can go on and on. That Juve has these players that are just so fun to watch. Even if the game's slow, you can just appreciate how good they are. The other stat, too, uh, just, just to mention it, uh, Juve wins the total number of shots, 13-6, to 6, uh, including the most important one, the one that goes in. And the only thing we, else we could talk about with Juve uh, is just continuing to dominate the transfer market. There's rumors of Arsenal's Jack Wilshire coming. Uh, they've made an offer to Zenit St. Petersburg, Axel Witzel. Marco, you got a couple other names to add? Yeah, I mean, I think Matuidi dropped out. Uh, Fabregas dropped out. Um, they were talking about um, James Rodriguez, um, you know, as if, like, who was that guy, right? <laughs> I mean, every single player that Juventus is looking at is a best player on somebody else's team, and they already are so deep. It's going to be so fun to watch Juventus in the Champions League this year. I think they're one of the favorites. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a foregone conclusion that they're looking to pick up one more big signing. So before they come back and play in Italy, we could see another country's international lining up for Juventus, not necessarily in a starting role. Right. A super team, there's just no other dis- description for Juventus. Up next, we have Napoli 4, AC Milan 2. Napoli takes it in the game of the week. They show, And Napoli shows their attacking prowess, uh, while Milan only has two red cards to show. Marco's going to take us through the game. Yeah, what a game. What a game. You know, ongoing theme, Drace Mertens creating goals, creating goals early. Every time that guy gets the ball, he's running down the left wing, cuts it in, jukes a few people, and then curls it back post. And what does it cause this game? Two goals. He has a, a, an assist off a corner kick. He got uh, Kuka, uh, the second yellow, uh, by embellishing a little bit, but you know, still getting fouled. It is Serie A. We have to do that. The game, yeah. The game starts out two goals to Napoli, and two debut goals for Milik, the big transfer over from Ajax. Uh, and so he's now getting warmed up. And the, scene, you know, the game basically was being dominated by Napoli. Again, very dangerous in the attack, uh, looking pretty solid in the defense. But then some individual skill from Niang and uh, Suso as well. And they're scoring real nice goals. Niang gets the ball on the left-hand side, beats this player, Scores a nice left-footed shot to the side netting. Suso scores a bomba, as they call it in Italian, from outside the box. He's about 23 yards out. All of a sudden, game's 2-2, and you're thinking, wow, is this the resurgence of Milan? Um, But then Napoli seems to take over the game again, score two more goals. Callejon showing that he is always in the right place at the right time, having a great game as well. And Napoli ends up winning 4-2, it it was such a fun game to watch. It was, it was a lot of action. And again, just highlighting that Napoli, they don't need Higuain this season. They might be a little shaky at the beginning. I think they got the players to move forward. Milan, the defense is way too shaky. And it's just not your classic Milan team that we're all used to seeing. Yeah, what are these halftime speeches that are happening in the Serie A in the first two weeks this year? I mean... 
Napoli goes down 2-0, and which is crazy because like last week it happened to them. They go down 2-0 uh, to Pescara, and it's, you know, really? We're going to go down 2-0 to, to a newly promoted team? They come out, they turn it around um, and score two goals. In this game, though, they knock into the Milan team comes out. Apparently Montella gave that you know crazy halftime speech. Milan knocks into, and then Napoli, instead of folding, like, you know, really started to, to apply the pressure. And I think a couple of tinkerings that they've made since the last game really contributed to, like, this re- this reversal of fortune that they had, looking so bad and shaky and lost without Iguain in the first game. This game, they got their guy, like I said, Mil- like you said, Milik, you know, comes in and scores, gets two, and Drace Mertens. You know, Drace Mertens earned a place in the starting lineup. Insigne, who's had rifts with the club, you know, sometimes disappeared last season. They 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 move him out and bring uh, Mertens in, and boom, you know they're they're scoring goals out of everywhere and they're challenging and they're causing you know Milan, um, who had pulled themselves up by their britches at halftime to get two red cards. And at that point, I don't care. It's over. Napoli will take any team out in the world that goes down two men. The game was pretty even, even though Napoli had you know a, a large part of the of the match uh and that they were dominating in in swaths of the game i mean the the total shots were 17 to 12 in in favor of napoli still 12 shots milan had uh those two red cards at the end of the game really destroyed milan um and it it, it inevitably ended their uh their comeback uh or any chance of coming back towards the end um, but again, I think that Napoli really showed that they are ele- electric. They got electric players. I mean, this time around, Drace started and Insigne came off the bench. And when Insigne came off the bench, he had a chance as well. I mean, this 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 is a team that is, is deep. They have a really good midfield. Now they have Milik up top. We'll see if he if he continues to, to keep up this form. I know it's just the first game. He had kind of a couple t- tapping goals, nice header. Um, so we'll see if they keep moving on. Milan's back line, they, they got to be worried. They got to be suspect. Yeah. Their big man, Romagnoli, probably made – I mean just transformed into a donkey um, in this game. And they're telling about talking about selling him for all the money in the world. And Donnarumma. You know, you got to think, man. He, I mean, he's from Naples, apparently a lifelong, you know, a Milan fan. But he comes home, his whole family's in the crowd, and he gets four hung on him. Yeah, but he's he still made some good saves against Merton. For sure, but I mean that that, that he has to have that superhuman effort. Yeah. Just to only concede four. I mean, granted, one of them was to his own player, but yeah, I mean, Milan, they can score, but their back line going forward, oof. it's it's going to be tough and. I don't know if there's an end in sight. I haven't heard a lot of rumblings in in the transfer market for Milan. They were talking about getting uh, Markovic from Liverpool, who was kind of a castaway uh, Liverpool player last season. Um, really, again, just not, I guess, Wilshire. I mean, who in the Serie A is not potentially getting Wilshire at this Seen moment? Seen his name a few times. Yeah, so... <laughs> Minan, they need to they need to find uh, somebody. Uh, otherwise, they need to Vincenzo Montella needs to fix it tactically, and they need to mentally get it together. Up next, Roma two, Cagliari two. Roma sucks again and continue their crappy week by blowing a two zero lead. Tad, take us away. I mean, what can you say? Um, you know. Roma came into this game fresh off the Porto uh, disaster. 
Um, they go and they play a newly promoted team. Now, Cagliari, who you know has a lot of Serie A experience and definitely quitted themselves well in this game, are a team that Rome should beat and beat handily. And they came out of the game like they were going to do just that. Um, they drew a penalty in the sixth minute of the game. Perotti comes in, notches his second penalty of the season and his third goal so far. And then Cagliari appear like they're going to melt down. They, uh, they have three successive yellow cards, and Roma dominates up to the half, so much so that you know, Roma fans are probably high-fiving each other in the beer line or you know, the Prosecco line or whatever. <laughs> we were. Yeah, we were for sure. Um, turning backflips. And Jekyll gets subbed on for you know, L. Shot, half who apparently was late for a haircut, and uh, right away contributes. He heads a beautiful pass to Strootman, and Strootman scores in the 46th minute. Hashtag Team Jekyll. Enter Roma fans cheering that Jekyll did something great. Um, and then from there, uh, and from there, Roma decided playing that rational soccer is very overrated. They start playing progressively sloppier and sloppier until Borriello, um, who had, you know, a pretty, a pretty good game for a guy of his age and his journeyman level, um, knocks in a left foot in the 56th minute and boom, all of a sudden it's two to one. Borriello joining the ranks of Roma, ex-Roma players to score on Roma. Right away. Oh, for Roma's playing a guy that used to play against him, that guy's scoring. But, uh, Unbelievable. You know, at this point, Roma you know, kind of saw some, maybe some writing on the wall that uh, Cagliari was really going after him. They decided to play it safe. They sub up uh, Perotti for, Fa- uh, for uh, uh, Fazio, who apparently was ready to enter the game after the completion of his tribe's woolly mammoth hunt. Um, and Roma seems happy to play for a 2-1 away victory. Um, but Roma continue to run around the field like they don't have a clue. Calgary gain confidence. Roma fans' sphincters get tighter and tighter until Isla, you know, who basically played like Roma owed him money. He was about as ornery and as impactful as a player could be uh, for as, you know. They always are. Yeah, and, you know, it's another one of these guys who, like, oh, my God, he's still alive, and he's just crushing it. Um, You know, he he crosses one in the box that – Bounces off uh, Marco Sao's head and into the goal in the 87th minute to you know cause me to fall to my knees and curse to the heavens above for inventing a game called soccer and have a team from Rome participate in the continued existence. I mean, you, know, you guys know that scene in the Shawshank Redemption where Andy Dufresne, otherwise known as Tim Robbins, heroically escapes and finally dumps out of the poop pipe into the <laughs> thunderstorm and first realizes his freedom. And it's like the like the, like the cover of the movie. Yeah, yeah, that was me. Same action. Opposite emotion. You want to crawl back into the poop? Yeah, I, well, or that I'm still in Shawshank and it's just poop in there. Um, and from there, you know, it's a two to two draw, and Calgary plays for the win. They play the final whistle like they want to win, and from that point, Roma played like a child who's woken up in the middle of the night and is convinced that there's a monster in their closet. Like, start the bus, guys. Let's get out of here as soon as this whistle blows. Um, you know, so much going on in this game as well. You know, DeRossi is stripped of the captain's band uh, for Florenzi, who looks snake bit. Uh, well, not Florenzi, who looks snake bit, but DeRossi looks snake bit. And, you know, you got to think it's, it's in punishment for him getting the red card against Porto. But you got to think, what's Spalletti thinking? This is Daniele DeRossi. He's, he's Futuro Capitano. And, um, you know, he's been with the team for over 10 years. Why are you pettily taking the, the captain's band away from him? Nanglin and Strutman look completely out of sync. They played sloppy. Calgary, and for their part, played fearless at home. Borriello played like he was definitely going to find the goal as it was leading up 
to him scoring. He had a lot of chances. He played with a lot of aggression. He looked like he really, you know, he really wanted to knock one in. Maybe we should try to buy him before the window's up. Do we need another 35-plus-year-old striker on the team? Um, Vermeulen, Parrish, and Monolos got worked by inferior attackers. Um, not really a single standout performance from, uh, from Roma outside of Jekka, who came on as a sub. Um, Florenzi did have some creative passes until you know he basically did his the best impression of the worst in soccer player ever. Every five-year-old kid knows not to clear the ball in front of the goal, which led to... Um, uh, uh, Calgary's second goal. You know, there's a lot of that, but I mean, I guess one thing to come out of it is Strutman scored for the first time for yep. Roma since 1987. Um, <laughs> or, at least, or at least, or least that's how, you know, how, how it feels. <laughs> that, that's, that's definitely how it feels. You know, there's got to be a lot of questions for Spalletti going forward. He's, you know, he's, he's been beating his chest a lot in the press and, you know, he's going to have to take this international break to, you know, figure out what's what he wants to do. I mean, he's talking a lot about hard work and discipline and guts and all this kind of stuff. But he maybe wants to think about what, what the culture he wants to create for Roma so far is because all of his you know public moves have have not really panned out. He did a he did a big gamble by changing up the formation, trying to get cute with Porto in the second game. Now there was some discipline problems there, but. Uh, you know, the team really didn't respond well to that and looked like they played out of sync. And then this game, again, stripping DeRossi of the captain's badge, just neither of these moves played off. And I think that we've seen in soccer, it's what have you done for me lately? Yeah, he had a great second half last year, and Roma came out with, with a lot of positive things with one 4-0 win to a team that's probably going to get relegated. But it's pretty fickle league. And if Spalletti, you know, wants to make some gambles and, and speak this way in the press, but yet have lackluster results, he could find himself going the way of Rudy Garcia. Let's give Cagliari some, some credit though. I mean, here's a team that just got promoted and when they went down, they kept a lot of good players. They came back up. They've, they've picked up again. We've talked about it. Boriello, uh, Isla. I mean, these are good seasoned players and, for playing a team who is basically averaging the most shots in Serie A, I think they're sixth in, in all of Europe, this is Roma, um, you managed to shoot 18 times against them, and the possession, which is usually lopsided for Roma as well, was only 51-49 to 49 in Roma's favor. I mean, Cagliari came out, they had a game plan, uh, they're creating goal-scoring chances through individual skill, yes, I don't know how much longer Cagliari can keep this up. I am hoping that Roma is going to be able to figure it out. Um, Because, you know, Roma is getting a lot of chances. Uh, We've been saying this for years. You know, they have the skill. They have the the shooting ability. They have the players, the speed. Whatever, Whatever it is, it's always tied back to the same thing. It's the mentality. Now, if they get a coach like Spalletti who sorts out the mentality... You know, easier said than done. They're going to be able to start converting all these chances into goals, and then eventually get on a run. And you know, and I'm now I just I'm waking up from this. Yeah, Spalletti's no spring chicken. He's 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 had a lot of coaching experience in the Serie A. I would expect for him to take this week, regroup, and I think Rome is going to have an answer going forward because they have a tough game at home coming up against a Sampdoria team that's proven to be pretty pesky. And looks like they want to fight for spot in Europa League as well. Um, Calgary go to Bologna next. That should be a game. Maybe they can. Maybe they can get three points. Who knows? 
All right, we're going to stick with Tad. Up next is Inter 1, Palermo 1. The Sicilians get a point, and DeBoer is still looking for his first win as Inter manager, as the Nero Azzurri look anemic at home. Go ahead, Tad. Yeah, I mean, this this game, DeBoer and all of the Italian fans, or the Inter fans, have got to be disappointed in. It was a bore. Um, Inter dominated the possession as you thought they would, 68-32, to and they took way more shots on goal, 22-7, to but sh- shots on target were only 5-3 to in favor of Inter. And the first half, really the only thing of note is there were a couple of chances by like Miranda um, in the first half, but the, the, uh, nothing really happened. Just kind of kicking the ball back and forth. And actually, Palermo opened up the scoring in the second. Andrea Rispoli had a goal in the 42nd off a deflection. So in the first, sorry, 48th minute, um, in the first 48 minutes, we had the first goal. It's off a deflection. And then again, not a whole lot of action, not any really creativity going forward. And it takes Mauro Cardi, a header from, you know, the guy who they brought in to serve up crosses in the box for headers, uh, uh, Kandreva, scores a header outside the right corner in the left corner of the box in the second, 72nd minute um, to bring Inter even. And then for the rest of the game, they – you know, they showed a little bit more signs of life, thinking they didn't really want to draw to Palermo at home. Again, another team that really faces uh, relegation. And Kondreva had a couple other nice crosses into the box to give Icardi and Eder um, opportunities at the goal. But when the final whistle blew, DeBoer, in his home debut um, as coach of, of Internazionale, has a 1-1 draw to one of the worst teams in Italy. How about Kondreva, though? Still, I you know, I'm... I'm- it's so early in the season that you you do want to look at teams, uh, kind of you you, you know you, you take it all with a grain of salt. Like you look at the what what kind of players did these play did these teams have? Candreva was looking pretty good, and that assist that he had. I mean, man, he he is so technical, and he's just got such a nice right foot on him. You know, when you get him and Icardi going, I think that Inter is going to be. Very dangerous. Yeah, he was the bright spot for them this game. And it's good to see Cardi get on the score sheet if you're an Inter fan. But they did look lost most of the game. And it's a home game. And they're playing Palermo, who Palermo, up until this transfer window, or this week, as we'll get into, doesn't really have a whole lot to speak of. But they did look better than last week, when last week they looked awful against Chievo. They looked awful in the preseason, too. I mean, after two weeks of the season, they have one point. They're five points behind Juventus at the top of the table. Um, now, the field conditions at San Siro continue to be a problem. So, you know, Palermo used that to their advantage, basically allowing Inter to kick it around a lot, um, just not conceding. They parked the bus in front of the goal. Um, but the whole story for Milan, sorry, Inter this week has not got to be their lackluster play on the field. It's the moves they've made off the field. Oh, yeah. And apparently that Eric Thoher gives zero Fs about the fair play in UEFA soccer. um, Milan is already on suspension, and he has gone out and spent a lot of money this week. Um, He bought uh, Joe Mario from Sporting Lisbon for $45 million. <laughs> I mean, the guy, they just won the Europa League. Euro, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he won the Euro, sorry, the Europa, Euro League. Um, but that's actually the biggest signing in the history of somebody yeah. coming out of the Portuguese League. Big number going to Portugal. Oh, yeah. And then he uh, got Gabigol, Barbarossa, um, out of Santos, uh, the 19-year-old uh, Wunderkind. 
uh, for, had, for he 28 good, million. He had a good Olympics. Yeah, he had a good Olympics. Anytime you see big money thrown at a striker coming out of a young striker coming out of Brazil, it's got to make a lot of people excited. Santos is a storied history of sending players um, into Europe. Um, but now, you know, it seems like Thoher, who owns DC United as well, is basically saying, hey, look, here you go, DeBoer. I brought you on. I fired my last coach, put you in power. The table's, the table's set for you. We've already signed Kondreva, Brosevic, and Benega. The moves have been made. Um, and I think he's going to get forgiven for these first two games, but it's in his court now. And if he doesn't do a whole lot with his upcoming squad or his court or his pitch, I guess we've got to stick with our soccer analogies. If he is can't take this, I think we could see an early exit for a first-time uh, Serie A coach. Because they're risking a lot by making these signings. Palermo, this game looked consistently average to weak. Um, Palermo, though, has improved um, their team. They signed former Italian international Alessandro uh, Diamante this week and the Corinthians player, uh, player Bruno Enrique. Um, so they're going to have a new side coming up. Uh, I think both those players will probably slot right in in the first game they come in. And they got enough. They got a tough game. They got Napoli, so we'll see if they're going to have anything uh, uh, new for that. And um, De Boer is going to take Inter out of the break. They're going to go to Pescara, so I think that we could really see a hot seat if he goes and plays a newly promoted team who's been kind of playing well. Who's been kind of playing well, but with yeah. with every with, with some shiny new toys and and a, a lot of money being spent. Yeah. Um, if he doesn't put it together, and if they don't get a result in that game, I think we could start to hear some rumblings. Yeah. Hey guys, Tad here from Curve America, um, and this is our call to action. We at Curve America, you know, we're trying to make a go of this thing, so we'd appreciate it if you guys uh, followed us on Twitter and Facebook. It's Curve America on Facebook, at Curve America on Twitter. We tweet stuff sometimes, sometimes we don't. We put stuff on Facebook. It's hilarious. But also, we're available the podcast, I'm sure you know this because you're listening to it right now, on SoundCloud and iTunes. Guys, on iTunes, how we get found, how we get greater market visibility is if you go on and you rate it and you go on and you make a comment. So please go on, rate us, make a comment. Again, this is Tad from Crow of America wishing you guys a lovely week in the Syria. Up next, we have Mighty Crotone, the Croutons. They take it with one goal against Genoa, who scored three. Mighty Crotone, the Croutons of the South, host their first ever Serie A home game against Genoa, the oldest team from the North. So an epic battle between young and old, North and South, and two red-blue teams. But the final result does not go in the Croutons' favor. Just going to jump straight into the 18th minute, and the Pythagoreans are making noise. Alejandro Rossi, he loses a defender and perfectly times a run down the right side, into the box, and heads a great cross directly onto the left post. And cue the flashbacks of the Mighty Ducks, Charlie Conway speech, a quarter of an inch one way, we would have won. It really was a Serie A-level run from Crotone. It just didn't go in. So four minutes later, we got Alexander Tonev. He streaks down the right side and again crosses right into traffic. Ball takes a deflection, lands in, in between about five Genovese defenders, and right at the feet of Crotone's Paladino. And he strikes it about seven yards out, running onto the ball, and proceeds to crush it against the crossbar. Not looking like Crotone's night after two posts. But then 10 minutes later, 
he, he does something and totally redeems himself. This time <laughs> on the left side on a busted play. Crotone gets the cross, a few deflections, and Palladino, right place, right time, notches Crotone's first Serie A goal ever. So sure to be a question in your local bar's trivia night this week. The answer, Palladino. It's like Goose and Top Gun looking at the plaque of previous Top Gunners. No, no, boys. There's two L's in Palladino. (laughs) Also credit to Crotone's goalkeeper, Marco Festa. He had some really great first-half saves, but that would change in the second half. And we go, and it's just Genoa's half. Uh, they, they really dominated. They bring in super sub Sergei Gokpi, and, and uh, he comes in in the 52nd minute. And Genovese right striker Encham sends a cross right through the mouth of the goal, and Gokpi's right there to gobble it up. He comes Those in. two names. Yeah, yeah, man. Tough to pronounce, but uh, great, great finish, great goal. Uh, Gokpi comes sliding in to finish, uh, and we're level at 1-1. I bet those... Jerseys with those names on the back are not flying off the shelf anywhere. <laughs> Tough to say, uh, but the croutons. Gokpi sounds like a sounds like a, a like a principal on The Simpsons or something like that. <laughs> sounds like a legume. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're one one, and the croutons crumble like the salad garnish. I've nicknamed them. Two minutes later, Genoa's Leonardo Pavoletti nails a header from the left wing on the six yard line, almost dead center. And then Pavoletti again sinks the dagger in the 64th minute, his second goal of the game, and, and just puts it away. Overall, good game for Genoa. They're, they're on their heels for the first 30 minutes. Uh, you would expect that. Crotone, this is the first time they've ever hosted a Serie A game. But then Genoa gathers themselves, and they dominate the rest of the game. So Il Griffone, or the Griffins, find themselves after two games into the season at the top of the table. So congrats to them. Um, pretty interesting game, uh, pretty exciting. Tad, you were talking a few podcasts ago about Crotone's jerseys. I saw during the highlights. It seems to be a company whose emblem is a lightning bolt, and of course their name, Zeus. <laughs> is that the way your lightning bolts, is that the way your nip's going to be when you put on that Crotone jersey for the first time? I'm waiting for it. That's the way my <laughs> nips are going to be when he puts it on. <laughs> <laughs> to the Pythagoreans out there, Crotone supporters, stay strong. Uh, this team is clearly showing some flashes of greatness. They're just finding themselves in Syria, which is to be expected, their first, first year in it. Um, but I'm pulling for them. They, they really did have some flashes of brilliance. Force of Pythagorici. I think I'm going to buy you a scented candle for when Crotone get their first point in the Serie A. <laughs> it may be a while. <laughs> Up next, we have Sassuolo, 2. Pescara, 1. But the score is overturned by Liga Serie A for illegal player on the field. Officially, the result turns to 0-3 in Pescara's favor. Sassuolo is appealing, but Marco, take it away for the game. Doesn't that sound funny? They were appealing for illegal player on the field. Are we watching football right now? What's going on? <laughs> Flag on the play. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was it was a fun wa- game to watch, and you know, really, I think a lot of Serie A fans are going to become Sassuolo fans by the end of this season. Not only are they repping in Europe, but they are just fun to watch. They have they play a long ball, kind of very direct game, lots of shooting uh, in this game. You know, they had 15, I'm sorry, they had 13 shots. And, you know, they have a couple players that can really just turn it on on a dime. And it's, it's again, really fun to watch. I will say Piscata had a good game. Um, they, they possessed well, uh, but ultimately they rely on too much individual talent and they just don't have that much. A quick breakdown of how the game went. 
Uh, Gregor Defrel in the 37th minute uh, is having himself a season, by the way. He scored a beautiful left-footed shot from the right side of the of the box. And, I mean, it slipped in. The goalie was fully stretched. This guy is somebody to watch right now. He He's really killing it. After that, um, Domenico Berardi, the young Italian forward who wasn't called up to the national team. Very odd. Tad was talking about that earlier. Um, there was you know, a, an interview with Ventura who basically said, we play a 3-5-2 on the Italian national team right now. We, we rely on quick, skilled wingers on the sides. There's a lot of competition out there. And Domenico Berardi is going to be playing with the, uh, the under-23s, the youth national team. I think they're... Not necessarily a bad there. mood, a, yeah. a bad move. He like you know he could get, see more playing time there. But regardless, both him and Defrel are, are think going to both be future stars for their national sides. And although Ray Minaj, I think Nicky Minaj's <laughs> yeah, can we call him Ray Nicky Minaj? No? <laughs> Nicky Minaj's like cousin <laughs> scored in the 81st minute. At that point, the game um, was was sealed. <laughs> Can't you just see Nick? Crazy ass Nicki Minaj, you know, purple hair or whatever, and then you look over and there's this weird guy in the corner's like, Who's that? Oh, that's Nikki's cousin. Ray. Ray. <laughs> Ray Minaj. Sounds like sounds like a made up cousin's name. Ray with an E. Well yeah, Nicki Minaj got a cousin. What's his name? Ray. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, again, Sassuolo's super fun to watch, and Berardi has seven goals already this season. I mean, this guy at this pace. He's trying to become one of the top goal scorers in in Europe. Uh, at the end of the you know after the the game, Lega Serie sanctions Sassuolo for putting in Anton, Antonino Raguso in the last twenty minutes of the game, and so it's three nothing Pescara. Pescara saying that it was a computer error from the Serie A side and that it was all legal, and so now they're appealing. Hashtag Ragusa! <laughs> or hashtag most Italian thing ever. Yeah. I mean, Ragusa, Yusa are going to cost your team three points. But um, Baraji apparently came out today or yesterday that um, he's going to miss three weeks of knee injuries. So I guess at the rate he's pouring it on, it's not going to matter for if he's trying to be top goal scorer in Italy. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a little shaky right there. Well, then it's a good thing that it's the international break. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Torino 5, Bologna 1. Belotti celebrates his call-up to the national team with a hat-trick. Clearly, Torino is for real. Tad, take us through it. Yeah, Torino coming off of a 3-2 loss um, from Milan. That was an incredibly exciting game last week where uh, we saw basically Baca drag his team to victory with a hat-trick um, and Torino missing an equalizer. But that was well, Belotti missing an equalizer um, in, in penalty kick and stop in stoppage time. But that's last week. This week we see Torino come out. They're pressing. They're all over um, Bologna, uh, really looking to uh, uh, to take it to them. And they, <clears throat> sorry, first score um, on a header from Bologna following a quarter. Sorry, a corner from uh, Lorenzo Di Silvestri. Um, but Bologna's not far, be- far behind. Um, they score a low strike in the 32nd by Safir Tater Salad, as I like to call him. <laughs> Safir Tater Salad. Go ahead. Tater print the top. t-shirt. Tater top. Whatever you want, buddy. Um, whatever, whatever you're hungry for. But then Torino come right back with a point-blank shot from Belotti. He notches a double in the first half. And again, another pass from Di Silvestri. Those two look like they're going to be an exciting duo going forward. 
And the second half opens up. That takes in the halftime. The second half opens up with some fouling um, with bad yellow cards from both sides, one from Polgar from Bologna and another one from Bovo from Torino. So the teams start to get chippy with this 2-1 lead uh, um, in, in play. But Torino knock in another shortly after in the 53rd minute. This time it's Joseph Martinez um, with an assist coming from another um, star Torino player, Baselli. Um, they pretty much spun the whole Bologna team around on that play. Uh, they, they pretty, they, the whole Bologna team pretty much looked lost. And then in come the subs for both teams. Bologna has to put in attackers to try and equalize the game, try and you know make a game out of it. they got to go for broke. And Torino throw in some defenders, but this strategy doesn't play off. Torino appears to be way too much for Bologna, and Baselli blasts one in in the 80th minute um, to go up 4-1. So Bologna at this point are in full desperation mode. Um, they foul Torino in the box and give up a PK, but fortunately for them, Belotti... Um, seems to not work on them in practice at all and misses again. He, get, I mean, apparently gets a nod again um, from De Francesco. Agrees that he won't, I don't know, date his daughter or something if <laughs> if he uh, if he if he, as long as he gets to shoot the penalties. Um, hopefully Ventura will learn from this for the newly promoted Belotti um, and uh, uh, not be putting him in those positions. But again, for the two promoted Italian uh, internationals, Pavoletti, which we saw scored a double. Um, Belotti is not far behind him because not to be denied, he comes in, dinks one in right at close range, um, you know, to gain that hat trick and basically just ensure that he is going to have his shirt off in the club that night. Um, and Belotti, uh, Taruna come away with a three, one, sorry, with five, one win. Um, but some interesting side notes on this game, Jajic, the, one of the big signings for Bologna this year goes out in the 26th minute with an injury. So we'll see how that progresses for him. Um, Belotti has a hat trick after being called up to the to the national team, so apparently he didn't seem too fussed about missing the penalty on last one. Scores a hat trick, misses a penalty in this game. Fun fact, Belotti's nickname is Il Gallo. If you guys see every time he scores, not only does he looks like does he look like the Joker, if you look at his face, but he also throws up the, the crest and he, he goes around. He's he's the Gallo, which is the rooster. If everybody listening to this podcast Wants to know. Well, cock a doodle do for Belotti. Was that the hashtag lamest joke ever? This week in Italian words. Yes, this week. No, no, my. Anyways. <laughs> um, Castan and Falke both play. So um, three ex Roma players. I don't bring them up just because I'm a Roma homer, but Castan um, is definitely going to be an impact player for them on the, on the defense coming off his brain surgery of last year. And Falke, they're hoping to drag some talent out of him. Um, and Belotti at this point has four goals in two games, and that's the most in leagues cl- across Europe, only behind uh, Lazzarette. Lacazette. Lacazette. Lazzarette would be probably the Italian version of Lacazette. Yes. Um, and uh, Torino looked to just be for reals this year, man. Um, big news for them this year, though. Um, Joe Hartz, the England's goalie, is coming to Torino. It's a sh- shocking move. Everyone's so surprised at Man City let him go, and now he's playing in Torino so much so that Mirror Sport, that rag in England, had a cover with his picture reading How the Mighty Have Fallen, um, also showing Jack Wilshire um, in, in the photo, who apparently is going to be coming to some Italian team. So that's, I guess, Mirror Sport's opinion of the Serie A. Um, and they refer in the title as uh, Torino as Serie A Minnows, which, I mean, you're, you're, a, you're a soccer magazine. Yeah. You know anything about 
soccer or the history of soccer, um, Torino actually have more championships yeah. than Manchester City. And James Horncastle, you know, one of the authoritative uh, sports writers on the Serie A in England, tweeted that Torino have more history in their pinky finger than most clubs in the world. And you got to think for Torino, for a team that's really exciting and looking to make a charge in the Serie A, um, Joe Hart is a clear upgrade from Daniele Padelli. He was kind of a journeyman. Um, Torino not have to be considered a force to be reckoned with, um, with you know the new signings, particularly adding a, a world-class goalie and a lot of young talent. I, Bologna I, look to hold their own and play aggressive, um, but obviously show they show their suspect in the back uh, against pressing teams. I, you know, I, I can't wait for Joe Hart to signing just for the pure entertainment value of Joe Hart screaming in Italian, anything in Italian. Yes. Just looking forward to that. I you think the first ball boy. Yeah, yeah. The, fir- the first word he's going to to learn is cazzo. <laughs> um, so Torino's going to look to uh, to keep it rocking. Um, they play Atalanta after the international's uh, international break away. So we'll see how you know if they continue their upward rise. I'm sure that Joe Hart's going to get to play in that game. So right away, yeah. um, you know, we're going to see what he's like two weeks into Italian lessons. Um, if he's like me, piace, uh, you know, calcio. Um, and be- in good shape. And, but screaming yeah. that. I like soccer. Screaming. <laughs> How many times he gets caught drinking espressos and pounding pasta um, in the streets of Turin. <laughs> but maybe maybe learn from Gigi that uh, that he needs to be in moderation yes, on that. Sustain the rage. Yeah, he has to, that's how you sustain the, sustain the rage. Um, and Bologna are at home against Calgary coming up in a game that is sure to be very pedestrian. Um, so Torino, going forward, this is a team that's really exciting um, I, I definitely look for them to make to make a charge. They, them and Sassuolo have kind of put the Serie A on notice that um, if you're not up to your A game, Milan teams, Roma, um, and to a certain extent Napoli, that you could be watching a new yeah. Italian team going into the Champions League this year. Up next, Chievo Verona zero, Fiorentina one. La Viola strike in the 28th minute, obtaining the deciding goal in an entertaining game with great chances from both clubs. Let's just fast forward straight to the goal. Viola wins a corner on the far left, and as the ball comes in, Carlos Sanchez rises amidst the traffic, gets his head on the ball, and sends it hard onto the ground near the keeper. Ball bounces up, spins to the top right corner of the net, and about six flying donkeys from Chievo Verona <laughs> are looking on in astonishment. Good. It's, that, it's that fro. <laughs> <laughs> Good goal from the Colombian national, uh, but honestly not the best defending uh, from the Flying Donkeys. Remainder of the first half, both teams are knocking, but nothing lands in the net. So we jump ahead to the second half. In the 54th minute, Fiorentina makes a run up the left flank and sends a ball through the box. Ilicic collects it, takes a touch, and sends a curler to the near left post, but it goes wide. He also hit a cross, uh, a, a, the crossbar in the 80th minute, so he had a good game. Best chances for Chievo Verona in the 55th, Medjerini. He hits one from the center of the box that just went to the right of the goal. And then in the 73rd, Roberto Inglese barely misses a header in the box. Continuing on with our learning in Italian, that's, that's Bob English right there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, great, great Italian name there <laughs> when you say it in Italian. Um, some stats from the game. Fiorentina with 59% possession and 13 shots compared to Chievo's nine. Golf clap for La Viola supporters. Great home opener atmosphere. We've talked about that before. I've seen a game in their stadium. They, they just have a great crowd and, and really brought it to this game in the highlights. Uh, well done with the noise and, and support. It was also the 90th anniversary of the founding of the team. 
Is that right? So a huge atmosphere in, 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 in Florence. Very cool. Huge signs and everything. Beautiful. Um, some extras. Uh, Giuseppe Rossi, Serie A's lone American. Uh, we found out this week he's no longer there. Multiple, multiple reports coming out that he'll return yet again to La Liga in Spain and play for Celta Vigo. Rumors of him coming home to the great state of New Jersey to join the Red Bulls? Not yet. He's not done in Europe, and, and we certainly wish him well up in Spain. I uh, was hoping he was going to stay with Serie A, but hey, it's a good move for him. Chris, you're going to have to wait for to include him in your friend group. So Giuseppe Rossi, uh, this, Chris Ross is saving you a spot in his bro crew. At Anytime. Snapchat Chris Ross. <laughs> stay Jersey strong. Actually, that is, I'm not on Snapchat, so whoever gets that, my apologies. <laughs> okay, up next, Sampdoria 2, Atalanta 1. Sampdoria flying high right now, coming from behind, and going two for two in the in the win column. Marco, tell us about it. Important game if you're Sampdoria and, and Atalanta. I mean, it was very even. And here's a game that if you're the manager of, of, of both of these teams, getting this win at home is crucial. Because you know that this is a team, whether you're Sampdoria or Atalanta, you, you know that this is an opponent that's going to be around where you're going to be on the, on the table probably towards the end of the season. And if you're fighting for Europe, they'll probably be there as well. So you've got to win the, the game at home between the two of you. Um, so the game starts out. Frank Cassie scores a, a, you know, an opportunistic goal. He scored three opportunistic goals at this point. But he's, you know, credit to him, good finishing. So Atalanta goes up one nothing, And then Quagliarella and Barreto come through for Sampdoria and put them back up to the top of the table. Um, they're doing well. The other Genoa team is doing very well. Uh, Sampdoria has good players on the team again. They're trident or they're they're attacking three. Luis Muriel, Quagliarella, and uh, Ricky Alvarez are, are are really good players. They got a good mix of speed, pace, and experience. Um, and I think that Sampdoria is going to do very well this season. Atalanta, we've already talked about how they're a tough team to beat. Uh, they're especially tough to beat at home. Um, you know, they also have some dangerous forwards, Paloski and Gomez. Look to these two teams to again end up mid-table. Uh, it was a, it was a pretty entertaining. Uh, again, yeah. eight to seven in shots, thirteen to sixteen in fouls, seven cards in total, uh, and a red. So it was a pretty deadlock game, uh, but Sampdoria came on top, and I think it might be because they have a little more flair on their squad. All right, and finally, the last game of the podcast. Empoli, zero. Udinese, two. Empoli, the blue team from Tuscany, fall to the northeastern Bianconeri, Udinese, in a, frankly, boring game of Calcio. Highlights, Udinese strikes on a cross in the second minute. I was minute. riveted, Chris Ross. I'm glad you were. I, I wasn't uh, recording uh, or reviewing the, uh, the highlights here. It was a tough game to watch. I haven't slept in days because <laughs> I've been watching it on repeat. What a game. Well, this is what kept Tad up for that long. Udinese strikes on the cross in the second minute by Philippe. Ball bounces around on the six-yard line, and Philippe actually backtracks to find the ball and spin kicks it uh, back towards the net. So it was a pretty nice goal, but again... Flip from Philippe. Spin kick. Yeah, two minutes in. And then we have to fast forward to the 73rd minute, uh, where Udinese goes down to 10 men when Vincent Larini uh, is sent off with a red card. And then the last highlight is 90-plus uh, minutes, the 95th minute. Stipe Perica, the Croatian... 
He sinks the dagger in uh, with a run down the right flank, shakes off a foul, and nets a goal in the far net. Basic stats, Empoli dominates with possession, 61%, likely because Udinese could sit back the entire game after scoring in the first five minutes. Shots too, Empoli with 13 to Udinese's 11. And then uh, Udinese bouncing back just uh, from the first week. They had a 4-0 drubbing by Roma. And then Empoli, 0-2 on the season. But hey, you're from Tuscany, you're downriver from Florence, things could be worse, right? We're still looking for something positive from Empoli to talk about on this podcast, but maybe next time. I I think that's a good metaphor for my life, that if I ever get a 4-0 from Roma, I'd like to life then to give me an Empoli. Does that make sense? You want to play Empoli next? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah no, I mean like in the in the soccer game of life, <laughs> if I take a 4-0 from Roma, I would like for the gods to give me... An Empoli after that. You would like to end up downriver on the Arno. <laughs> yes, and being able to play a team that I can beat 2-0 if I'm Udinese. <laughs> so that'll do it for us this week for Serie A Week 2. This weekend we have an international break, so no Serie A games. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and rate our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Until Week 3, guys. Arrivederci. Ciao. Ciao.